0: We have uh, dealt with some things that the people think are the cause that really aren't the cause according to what the Bible teaches. You know, some of the old uh, 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 myths and sacred cows and things like, well, the Lord just needed a flower in his garden. (laughs) I think heaven's doing pretty good with the flowers where the Lord don't have to take anybody out in the prime of their life and plant him in the garden. So uh, uh, we we talked about those kind of things, and we we grilled the sacred cows and made hamburgers and uh, took care of business there. But then last week, uh, we we talked about things that are the real causes. And we'll hit a few more tonight as we're getting started before we uh, uh, switch gears. And we talked about several things. We talked about several things that can be causes uh, of why things happen or why things get blocked. In in a lot of cases, why something does not happen. We talked about lack of knowledge, a lack of asking and seeking. We talked about knowing the word, but not being a doer of the word. We talked about unbelief. We talked about a failure to walk in love and uh, forgiveness. And we talked about giving up. You know, it's like the the enemy would love nothing more than to try to get somebody to give up just before they're about to bust through into victory. And uh, so those are some of the things that we talked about last week. And I want to just share this with you that there are times when uh, people are going to be attacked by the enemy that that is not an unusual thing, a rare thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible very clearly says, expect it, expect it. uh, Don't think that it's a strange thing when it happens. And then also uh, understand this, we're living in a fallen world. And, and, uh, and, and sometimes things get blamed on God or, Some things get blamed on the devil, and and, and neither God nor the devil is involved in some things. As a matter of fact, if you want to go ahead and get the snow off your roof, when you know there's a layer of ice underneath that snow, and you fall off your roof, you can't blame God or the devil for that. And so I think that another thing that we need to consider is that in this fallen world, uh, uh, th- there's the possibility for accidents to happen. And in some cases, accidents that are just due to a lack of wisdom and a lack of following natural law. For instance, there's a good reason why you don't stick your finger in an electric socket. There's a good reason for that. And, and so, so we can't break a natural law that we know and then blame God or the devil for the results. But the thing is, is that, I, 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 you know, in Scripture, it's interesting. The, the, there, were, there was a young man who, who, who experienced something that was no fault of his own. Many of you here today can look back in life and say, well, I've experienced something that I know was certainly no fault of my own. the the young man in scripture that comes to mind was named Mephibosheth Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan the grandson of King Saul and in a quick attempt to get away when Mephibosheth was just a little guy they were running with him and dropped him and from that day to the rest of his life it says he was lame in his feet he could not walk but I gotta tell you If you've been dropped, I got some news for you tonight. I know the quicker picker-upper, hallelujah. And I'm not talking about a paper towel, hallelujah. But, But Mephibosheth, though he was dropped, you can see later in life that after Saul was dead and after Jonathan was dead as well, that David, who had a covenant with Jonathan, said, is there anybody left of the family? Because I want to show kindness to them because of my covenant that I have with Jonathan, who was Mephibosheth's father. And so because of the covenant, David actually had somebody find this young man, Mephibosheth. And he thought, oh boy, the king's looking for me. I'm dead. But rather than him being dead, he ended up eating at the king's table. And being treated like the royal family for the rest of his days. And I want you to know, if you've been dropped, there's somebody looking for you. But, but it's not so that you can go ahead and get... And so you can go ahead and sit at the king's table. Be a part of the king's family. And, and, and feast royally in the king's presence all the days of your life here and on to eternity to come. Glory to God. What a beautiful picture of the love of God. Now... We also need to understand this that um you see sometimes we've we've left the doors open, and sometimes we did have the doors locked, and the thief still found a way to come in because the thief is a thief, but our goal is to always make things hard for the thief. We know what the Bible says it's clear that the devil goes about. As a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, who resists steadfast in the faith. That's out of First Peter uh, chapter 5. But, but, but the thing is, is that for us, we want to make sure that on our part, we're not allowing any easy access to the enemy. As a matter of fact, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we make it as difficult as possible. Man, you going to try to steal something from me Go go ahead and give it your very best. It's not going to be easy. And uh, so I want us to understand that, that, that there is satanic attack. There is the fact that the enemy is trying to steal from you. He's just out trying to be who he is, which is a thief or robber or killer or destroyer. And he's trying to do it at your house. He's trying to do it at anybody's house he can get to that's the nature of who he is. Right. And uh, also understand this as we talk about causes, that not every cause of why something may happen to somebody is due to sin. Right. That's right. Sometimes it has nothing to do with sin, and sometimes it does. Right. Let, let me uh, give you an example of this. Uh, John chapter 9, there was a man that was born blind. And the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned so that this man was born this way? And Jesus answered, neither this man sinned, nor his parents sinned. So in that case there, it was not something that could be linked back to a specific sin. In a general sense, sin being in the world, yeah, you could say that. Because, you know, every bad thing that came into the world came through sin. But but as far as the specific sin that his parents committed or that he committed, I mean, it couldn't have been him. He was born that way. He'd have to sin in the womb. Right. So we see that. We also see uh, the, the wording of James chapter 5, 14, and 15, talking about if, if there's any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. Uh, And and then they'll pray for you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven And the fact that there's an if there means that there's also a possibility that there could not be sin involved. So it could be due to sin, and then it could not be due to sin. Now there are things that, that are clear results of sin as a matter of fact in john chapter 5 the man that was at the pool there and 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 jesus came to him and said will you be made whole and this man eventually was made whole and jesus said something to him a little bit later came and found him in the temple to tell him this he said see that you've been see now you've been made well he said sin no more so that a worse thing does not come upon you Woo. That gets you saying, yeah, Lord Jesus, I don't want no worse thing coming on me. And talking about an extreme case of sin, there's nothing that I can think of more readily than the extreme case of the guy who was shacking up with his stepmother in the city of Corinth. First Corinthians chapter 5. Talk about pushing the envelope and pushing the envelope of sin into to more and more and deeper and deeper. And, and, and Paul said, re- regarding this guy, that, that, that the, the way he needed to be dealt with was actually to be turned over to Satan. And the wording of Scripture is, turned over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit would be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Which, you got to understand, this is a big act of mercy on God's part because God's thinking of this man's eternity and not whether he lives a real super duper long life here on earth and and you know what it's God's best for certain to live a holy life and to not ever get yourself in such a fix as that guy was in so it's better it's best should I say to avoid a scenario like that altogether and, and don't go ahead and push the envelope to the point where the Lord said, well, I just got to go ahead and, and turn you over to the one who can destroy your body. But i tell you this, that in the grand scheme of things, it's better to have your flesh destroyed and your spirit saved rather than to have your flesh saved and your spirit destroyed. I don't think we need to study that one real deep and hard. That's an easy thing because eternity is a whole lot longer than this little time we have on planet Earth. Your spirit will live forever. Now a scenario like that, that was not God's best. That was not God's will. What that guy was doing was not God's will. And and the judgment that he incurred was not God's will. It was not God's ideal. It was not God's best. It was the best God had to work with under the circumstances. Not God's best, but it sure did be going to hell. Amen. Amen. So those are a few more things that we could get into here, and just to say that there's uh, multiple possibilities of, of causes of why things happen, why things don't happen, why things didn't happen, but our goal for tonight is this, what to do, how to react when you don't know what the cause is. What to do, how to react when you don't know what the cause is. First Corinthians 13 verse 12 says this. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am no so here we're we're seeing dimly we're not getting the whole picture We're, we're getting a clouded vision of things we're able to see some but not all of the picture but then we'll be face to face with him and we'll get to see the whole picture and as one wise person said you'll either get all your questions answered then Or you'll forget you had any questions because you're so excited to be there. One of the two. And then it says, now I know in part. So our knowledge is not full knowledge. Even having the word of God, which gives us great insight and great knowledge, there are some things that are still, at this time, mysteries to us. But then shall I know just as I also am known. Well, how are you known? How well does God know you? Well, God knows everything there is to know about you. So if you're going to know in the same way that you are known, that tells me that there's a day coming when these things that are mysteries to us now are no longer going to be mysteries. Yeah. Praise God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So there are things that are secret and there are things that are revealed. Things that are secret, things that are revealed. Now, one thing, God is a revealer of mysteries, or God is a revealer of secrets. But since the secret things belong to him, he exercised the discretion on what's revealed and what's kept secret. Um, there, There are several verses that we can look at that actually show us God as being a revealer of secrets. So that's one part of God that we want to look at first. Daniel 2.28 says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Isn't that beautiful? There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Right there in the same chapter in verse 47, it says, truly, God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. So we know this about God, that there are some things that God's willing to reveal. There are some of his secrets that he don't mind getting out. Yet at the same time, the flip side of that is there are some things that God has chosen not to reveal. Let's look at a few examples of that. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven to the right hand of the Father. And and they asked him this, it says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus' response, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has put in his own authority. In other words, Jesus said, this is one of those secret things. It'll come out later when it happens, you'll know, but this is not one of those things that's for you to know. You know, Jesus said that also of the day of His coming, Matthew twenty-four, thirty-six. He said, "But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but My Father only." You know, Proverbs says in chapter twenty-five, verse two, that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Now, did you know you're the, one of the kings? And I'm speaking generically, so the girls get in on this too, you know? It's the, the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the, the glory of kings to search out a matter. Right. Right. Now, now you, you see, not everything is a secret, and yet not everything is revealed. But if you seek God you'll be able to find out a whole lot more than you know now. And yet you'll be at the point, where you, you won't be at the point where you know everything there is to know here on this earth because there are some things God has chosen to keep secret. But if you dig in, you'll be a whole lot further than you are right now. How about this? Now, now th- this... Uh, Let me paint this picture for you. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to read this in John 21 in just a minute. Uh, Jesus just predicted to Peter the way he was going to be martyred and glorify God in his death. And then after that, Peter looks over his shoulder and sees John. And has this brainiac idea to ask this question. John 21, verse 21. So Peter, seeing him, that's John, and the timing of this, like I said, Peter just got told important information about how his life was going to end. And he said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, What is that to you? You follow me. Now my translation of that. (laughs) Yeah, you know where I'm going. It ain't none of your beeswax. You focus on what I told you to do. And you follow me the way I told you to follow me. And don't be getting caught up in someone else's business. Now, some things are not clear initially, but can be sought out. Well, you know, God is a revealer of secrets. Not everything is a secret. We understand that. However, some things God chooses to be private. And especially things that have to do with somebody else. Like in that case that we just read. Jesus was not about to share the secrets of John's life with Peter. As my friend, when Peter went there, Jesus rebuked him for going there. And it's interesting because we always have a thirst to know. And so if we prayed for Uncle John... And rather than Uncle John remaining here and living another 10 years or whatever, Uncle John died and went to heaven. What, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to go ahead and say, all right, Lord, I, I want to know everything that's up with Uncle John. Well, I believe that in the very same way Jesus talked to Peter, he talked to you. And say anything that was a private conversation between me and Uncle John is between me and Uncle John. And any of the causes behind the scenes, whatever their causes were, is nothing that you need to know. As a matter of fact, if you want to like the Lord to tell others about your private information, your private conversations with him, you also shouldn't mind the fact that he chooses not to share with you other people's stuff. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because I believe this, I believe that the Lord will only tell you somebody else's stuff on a need-to-know basis. Now, what about some of these personal conversations with God? And um, what, what we're going to do in the sound booth, I'm just going to go ahead and elaborate on the next two verses, but we're not actually not going to look them up. But, but in uh, 2 Kings 20, you see the story of uh, King Hezekiah. The prophet Isaiah showed up to him and said, Hey man, Get your house in order, because you're dying. Delivered the message and left. After the prophet leaves the room, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and said, Lord, remember now how I've walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what's good in your sight. And he wept before the Lord. And the prophet Isaiah was... (laughs) Still on campus. And did a U-turn. The Lord told him to go back. Said me, said me and Hezekiah have had some conversation here. You need to go back and tell him that I'm adding 15 years to his life. And that's right there for you to read. That's Second Kings 20, 1 through 6. So there's a case were a private conversation with God that we get to know about it because it's recorded in the Bible. But if not recorded in the Bible, that would have been a very private moment. And in that case, the Lord said, all right, 15 more years. What about the Apostle Paul? In Philippians 1, you see this. Philippians 1, you see him really in a position where he's, Talking to himself in a sense. Well, let's see. I can either glorify the Lord by, by my life or by my death. But what am I going to choose? He said, for me to depart and to be with Christ is far better. But, but to hang out here in the flesh is more needful for you guys. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But you know what? Yeah, that, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and stick around. You guys need me to stay around. I'm going to stick around. That's the Pastor Ray version to summarize those verses. But you can check that out for yourself. It's Philippians 1 and it's verse 19 through 25. So he's really having a conversation with himself and and in a sense with the Lord too, regarding whether he's going to stay or whether he's going to go. But later on, he had another one of those conversations and that one ended differently. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I've kept the faith. And there's a big old crown of life waiting for me. And not just for me, but for everybody that loves his appearing. So that conversation ended differently. But that first one, he's working things out with the Lord and said, yeah, I, I, the, the idea of going really sounds good. But he knew that he needed to stay. And he knew that in his heart, and I believe the reason he knew that is that that was something that the Lord communicated to him, that there was more work to do. So I want to say that to you, because there are private conversations that go on between people and God. See, these aren't private because they got recorded in Scripture. But believe me, these things happen all the time. And we don't know about them. And it's by design that God is not telling you about every conversation he has with somebody. So can we trust God even when we don't know the details of the why and what's happening behind the scenes? Can we still trust God? Can you you know this? That that God's the one who's got all the facts and all the figures. And he's the one who's got the big picture and the overview of everything. And here you are trying to play God with about this much. So he's got it all and you got this. Think about it. See, we just need to learn to trust God. Someone say trust him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, what do you do when you don't know the cause? Well, first of all, I'll tell you this. The Lord does not mind you asking questions. Can I talk to you tonight? If you don't know the cause, go ahead and ask the Lord some questions. There can be some things that you can learn. And you might ask something and He say, "Uh, well... Maybe later, but not now. And if you ask ask something else, and he'll give you a none your business. (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with asking the Lord questions. As a matter of fact, we, we see throughout scripture, people asking the Lord questions, asking the Lord tough questions. We see in John chapter nine, verse one and two, where the disciples said, and I referred to it early, about the man born blind. Well, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? Sinned? Why is it that he ended up in this situation? They asked the question. Matthew seventeen, and we made reference to it last week when the disciples could not cast the the, the demon out of a young boy. And, 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 the, the guy came and told on them to Jesus and said, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cast him out. And Jesus had a little fit and, you know, <laughs> chewed him up for not, not being in, in, in faith about it. Cause in that particular case, the cause was their unbelief. But then they came to Jesus privately and asked a question. Why could we not cast it out? There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord a question. Right. Psalm 10, 1. Psalm 10.1 says this. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Has anybody ever been frustrated and want to ask God that? Why is it that when I'm in trouble, it seems like you're, you're miles away and I'm about as dry spiritually as you can get. Habakkuk said, chapter 1, verse 2 of his book, he said, Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Or how about this? This is Judges 6, 12 and 13. This is talking about Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, that being Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And, of course, the funny thing about that story is when he's being called by the angel, a mighty man of valor, he's out hiding somewhere. I always love that. But anyhow, moving right along. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? You, you can see the little attitude going on. I mean, you can see the neck going and, and, and you know, you can use your imagination right there. Yeah, you're with us. But, but truly, at the end of his life, <laughs> he knew the Lord truly was with him. But what do you see here, you see questions being asked. Don't hesitate asking the Lord questions. If you ask the wrong one, he'll tell you. But you know what? John the Baptist was one who also asked questions too. Think about this. John the Baptist, who had such a clear revelation of Jesus... That when he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, and John chapter 1 lays this out for you, that, that the, the Spirit said to him, the person upon whom you see uh, the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that's the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so he baptizes Jesus, the Spirit of God descends like a dove out of heaven and rests on Jesus. There's no doubt about it. There shouldn't be any doubt about it. This is the one, the one who was to come, the one that John came to prepare the way for, the one for uh, who would baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. But later on in scripture, you see John sending disciples over to Jesus to ask a question. And his question is this, um, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? Isn't that Amazing. Somebody who had such clear insight into who Jesus was. I mean, crystal clear. And yet he himself had questions. Say, you know what? I know about all that. But since then, my life's not gone so good. I've ended up here in jail. Jesus' ministry is taking off in my my jail House ministry is ministering to rats now. uh, And he had a question. But what did he do? He took the question to Jesus. And Jesus did not slam him or slam his disciples for asking the question. As a matter of fact, he answered the question. He said, go tell them what's happening. The blind see and the deaf hear and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who's not offended in me. And then further on, went to go ahead and compliment John the Baptist with this statement, that among those born of women, there was not a greater than John the Baptist, but he was least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. But think about the the, the very strong and what you might say complimentary way that Jesus spoke of John. Jesus did not bash him for having a doubt or for asking a question. And he won't bash you for it either. Glory to God. I know this is different tonight, but different is good. Someone say, different is good. So you need to ask. But the next thing you need to know, as far as when you don't know what the cause is, is you need to stick with what you know. Stick with what you know. I know he's with me. If I can't figure anything else... Out. I know he's with me. I know Psalm 23 and verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They come from me. Something about sticking with what you know in a time when there's things that you don't know. Because you will drive yourself Crazy. Trying to figure out things that you don't know. You will go ahead and just make your brain hurt. (laughs) Stick with what you know. When there's something you don't know, when there's something you don't understand, go back to the basics and start there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? Don't give up on the war just because you feel you lost the battle. You know what? You might be devastated, but there's there's more territory ahead. And and God wants to say that the last chapter's not been written. And God also wants to say this. You might have been stolen from, but God's into something called recompense. Yeah, the the thief could have come into your house and robbed you of something that was rightfully yours and committed an injustice against you. But I want you to know, the scripture says that the righteous will be recompensed. And not just someday in heaven, the righteous will be recompensed in the earth. Woo! Which means that thing that was stolen from you, that person that might have been stolen from you, Glory to God. I want you to know that God has a plan to be able to recompense you and to make the enemy regret the day that he ever tried to mess with that individual or with you in that particular way. Hallelujah. So, when disappointment occurs, and it will, you got two choices. One of them is to choose to exalt your circumstances above the Word. Or you can choose to exalt the word above your circumstances. That is the choice to make. At the moment, that's not an easy choice to make. At the moment, it's tough when you're disappointed and when you're hurt. When there's something that you are so sure, so convinced, so absolutely rock solid convinced that it was going another way and it didn't go that way. But I'll tell you, always, always exalt the word above the circumstances and not the other way around. Amen. And a big part of that is being careful what you think on and what you meditate on. Amen. Amen. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So, so we see here that the Lord instructs us how to think and what to think on. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is a very important verse for what we're talking about. This is a very important verse for how you react when you don't know why something happened or why something didn't happen. When you don't know the cause. The New American Standard Bible of this verse, verse 5, starts off by saying this. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. That word there, when I saw that today, woo, I about had me a fit. Because you know what? That so fits into the picture of what we're talking about. Because when you don't know the reason why, what do you start to do? You start to speculate. And it seems to be the most easy thing and the most natural trap to fall into to start speculating. Well, maybe this, and maybe that. And of course, what we talked about in week one was really a result of a whole lot of speculation. And, uh, you know, to to go along with speculation, it's when people would actually adopt what they experienced as the way it is. Rather than the word is the way it is. So, so when people start to speculate, they, they make their experience and the way it happened in their situation the doctrine. And so they say, well, this is the way it happened to me. So I guess that when the Bible says that, it must have meant this. So rather than the Bible meaning what it said, that they would take the Bible and, you know, you know, uh, f- filter it according. To the way it happened to them that's a dangerous thing look out for speculation as a matter of fact just tear down speculation and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God so think about it that there are things that would exalt itself attempt to exalt itself against the knowledge of God and literally uh, some things that would try to make God look guilty Some things that would try to bring a charge against God, in a sense, as though He were unjust, as though though this time He dropped the ball and and didn't handle things the way He ought to have handled it. And you know what? You might feel that way, and that's all right. You might be mad at God. He can handle it. But I got to tell you this that at the end of the day, once you're mad, And, 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 and once, once you, you're getting through that season of life, you still have to come to the point where you say, Lord, I know it wasn't you. Lord, I know you're good. Lord, I know that you're not the thief. I know that this was not the way you intended things to happen because the way you intended things to happen was Eden. Eden. And we're a long ways from Eden. Hallelujah. Romans 3, 4. I like to say it like this. In a situation like that, what we need to do is we need to justify God. Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written that you... That you, referring to God, may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Think about this. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Meaning that no matter what this looks like, and, and no matter if I'm in the middle of disappointment because uh, of Prayer that did not get answered in the way that I was looking for it to get answered, I will still stand and say, Let God be true, but every man a liar. Right. And I will still be uh, of this mind that 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 I am not gonna go ahead and speak words uh, against God because I believe that God's justified in his words and that if I were to try to judge God, if I were to try to take God to court, he would win the case. He would overcome when he gets judged. Think about that. Now, God understands you. And God understands the emotion and the trauma that you can go through at the moment, the loss of a loved one, especially the sudden loss of a loved one or, 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 or other various situations, tragedies that can happen in life. But you know what? In those situations, we always got to be the one to stand up and say, you know what? I may not know everything, but I know my daddy's not a child abuser. I know my daddy's good. I know my daddy takes care of his children, looks out for his children, cares for his children. So I may not know exactly what it is that happened, but I can tell you one thing it's not. It's not that my daddy's not good because you come too late to tell me I know my daddy's good. And that's how you react when you don't know the cause. And you always go back to the basics. The basic truths of God's goodness and God's unchangeable nature. You always go back to John 10.10. The dividing line of the Bible that says the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. You always go back to James chapter 1 and verse 17 that says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Hallelujah. So you're dwelling on what you know. When you're in the midst of something you don't know. You're dwelling on what you know for sure when you're in the middle of things that you don't understand. So number one, how to react when you don't know what the cause is? You ask. Number two, you stick with what you know. Number three, you stay close. Stay close. That is the last time in the world that you need to drift. Because you'd be drifting from the very one that you need the most. And that's why when you're in a situation like that and you reaffirm and reestablish in your own heart, you know what? I may not get this, but I know he's good. I, I may not have all the details and be able to to see the whole picture here, but but I know I can't point my finger at him and say you did something unjust because he is just. He is faithful and just. So so therefore, in a moment like that, I'm not gonna go ahead and drift from you or run from you. No, I'm gonna run towards you because Lord knows where else can I go? When you are in the fix of your life in the deepest Uh, valley of your life. Where else do you go? So you don't stop praying. Even though you might be tempted to fear prayer failure. I ain't afraid to go there. We're just going to go there. Because in a moment like that, especially when you've just asked the Lord for something... And it seems to be that, well, the thing that I asked for just flat didn't happen. So, what am I going to do? Go back to you and ask for something else? And you see, that's what we need to get established now. Because I'll tell you, when you're in the fix, here's some wisdom you don't pour concrete in the storm. You don't pour concrete on rainy days. You pour concrete when the sun is shining. You, go, you build your house in good weather. You don't build your house in bad weather. So now is the time to think about this. Rather than, you know, it, w- when, when you're in the midst of something and say, what do I do now? And, and, and when you're traumatized and uh, emotionally drained, that's not the time to be building this kind of house. you got to build this kind of house right now. So if that day to come, or, or, or were that time to come, where, where you're in the middle of some serious tragedy or serious trauma, you know how to respond to it. And you're, you know, not that it's going to be a cakewalk, because it's not a cakewalk, but you can be ahead of the game. Yes, and you can be ahead of the enemy, not being ignorant of his devices. Amen. Yes. So stay close. Don't stop praying. As a matter of fact, you know, when you're wounded, you have two choices. You can allow the Lord to heal your wound, or you can let the wound get infected. I say let the Lord heal your wound. And focus your faith on something bigger than just the results. Focus your faith on the someone more than the something. Focus your faith and your trust on more than just getting results, but on the, the one who loves you, the one who gave himself for you, the, the, the one who's there for you in the time of trouble. Because this is a relationship. And thank God for the blessings that, that he pours out on us and pours out abundantly. Thank God for it all. But i got to tell you, uh, uh, I am... I'm more in love with the blesser than I am with the blessing. Of course, when you get the blesser, you'll get the blessing. But my number one love is the blesser himself. Hallelujah. And let your trust in him be stronger than you need to know why. Some things you will understand. Some things you'll get. Some things will click. And some things won't. But let your trust in God be stronger than your need to know why. I love Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities and powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm going to tell you right now, Death cannot separate you from the love of God. You can allow a situation like that to separate you. But that's you allowing it. The thing itself can't separate you. You can allow yourself to get separated... But the thing itself can't separate you. Death can't separate you. The negative things of life can't separate you. Evil spirits can't separate you. Because these angels, principalities, and powers, the only kind of angels, principalities, and powers that would be trying to separate you from the love of God are evil ones. I mean, that's a no-brainer. So no evil spirit. He can't do anything about that. Present trouble. No, can't do anything about That can't separate you from the love of God. Future trouble can't separate you from the love of God. High mountains can't separate you from the love of God. Deep valleys and deep pits can't separate you from the love of God. Any other person, any other created thing cannot separate you from the love of God. Hallelujah. So stay close. So we've given you three keys so far. Ask. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Stick with what you know, stay close, and the last one would be this: learn to trust beyond your understanding. Oh yeah, learn to trust beyond your understanding. Proverbs three, five, and six. I tell you what, you you. You have to read these verses as though you're reading them for the first time. You see, you see, there there's some of these verses. They say, oh, yeah, here we go again. Yeah, that one. Yep. Got it in my promise box. Yep. Just read that in my word for you today, devotional. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's on my refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know what we're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're totally missing it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. But go back to verse 5 for a minute. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I was just reading that today and I thought, Lord, why would you say lean not on your own understanding? And I heard this in, inside of me, that because your understanding is very limited. As I said earlier, you've got God who's got the bird's eye view of everything, who knows the ins and the outs, the details, every conversation that was had, every conversation that should have been had and wasn't had. God's got it all. And you got this. And so you're trying to tell God how wrong he is when that's all you got. So we learn to lean not on our own understanding because we're trusting him beyond our own understanding. Let's talk about this understanding thing a little bit more. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It takes, listen to this, it takes something that surpasses your understanding to guard and protect your heart and mind. Listen to me, somebody. Because your understanding itself, which is, as we know, is very limited, cannot adequately guard and protect your heart and mind. At a time when you've got all kind of darts being thrown at your heart and mind. And all kind of attacks going at your heart and mind. You need something to guard your heart and mind. Your understanding can't do it. Amen. The thing that will protect your heart and mind. When it's being attacked. When it's under attack. Is this. Something not that is Uh, equal to your understanding. It's something that surpasses your understanding. And that thing is the peace of God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I don't wish a devastating time of life on anybody. But we do know this, that all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We do know this, that there is an enemy raging against us. We do know what Jesus said, that in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But there's no surprise that the enemy is just crazy out to get you. But you're not ignorant of his devices. And therefore, by being anxious for nothing, but making requests to God in everything, what are you doing? You go ahead and set yourself up with the peace of God that is the thing that is qualified to guard and protect your heart and mind. As we close tonight as we close out the series if there's a bottom line what to do when it looks like it's all going wrong and you may not understand why it's all going wrong but how do you react and how do you respond let's go ahead and look at a little wisdom from the prophet Habakkuk in the third chapter This is the New Living Translation, starting with verse 17. No better way to wrap this up. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, yet i will rejoice in the lord i will be joyful in the god of my salvation the sovereign lord is my strength he makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights now i want you to think about this that when everything was going wrong, just like it was going wrong there, and you make a decision to rejoice in the Lord and say, despite all those things, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And what is the result of you doing something that would definitely surpass understanding? Because when all that stuff has happened, you don't rejoice at a moment like that. That's not the natural thing to do. You know, when you got all this bad news and ain't nothing growing and everything's dying, it's like, woo, praise the Lord. Let's have church. No, that's not the natural thing to do. But sometimes you got to do the supernatural thing to do. And when you rejoice in a time like that, you end up being sure-footed. Sure-footed. Steady. Glory be to God. So when you don't know the cause, what do you do? You ask God about it. You stick with what you know. You stay close. And you trust Him even beyond your own understanding. Say, even even if there's just nothing about my understanding that gets this at all, I can still trust you. And I can still rejoice. And I'm just going to believe that somehow... You're going to take me, even though I might be quivering at the moment and be anything but steady at the moment and be anything but sure-footed at the moment, but somehow I believe you can get me back to a place of being sure-footed again. Somebody give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Thank Thank you, Lord. 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 I think somebody needs to rejoice tonight. Go ahead and help me. Somebody help me rejoice. Go ahead, stand up with me and let's rejoice tonight. Somebody rejoice with me tonight. Lord, we give you glory and honor. We thank you, Lord, that even though fruits have failed and have not grown the way we thought they were going to grow and things haven't blossomed the way we thought they were going to blossom and and things uh, uh, disappointments have arisen yet we choose to rejoice tonight we choose to rejoice in the face of it and we believe that we're coming out sure footed we're coming out steady we're coming out in a position where we're better than before glory to God Glory to God forever. Glory to God forever. Hallelujah. I may not know every cause for everything that happened or didn't happen, but I know somebody. I know God. And I know that God is good. I know God is faithful. I know he's good. I know the devil's bad. I know he's the giver. I know the devil's a thief. When I don't know, I can't bow on what I do know. Hallelujah. Glory to God forever. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord.